Asa Whitney was the original proponent of the Transcontinental Railroad. And so he believed that if he could connect the East and the West Coast of America, it would lead to unprecedented prosperity. And of course, he was right. The Industrial Revolution, all kinds of innovation happened because of those connections, those rails. Well, right now, what we're talking about is the digital rails between financial institutions and fintechs. Welcome to USA Booming, where business gets personal as we tell the unique stories of the successful American entrepreneur. Here's your hosts, Brian Culpepper and Sam Pennell. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. One more time again, Sam. We are here at Venture 135. It's a phenomenal conference. This is a fintech conference. Pretty cool stuff. Absolutely. Back at it again, Charlotte, North Carolina. Absolutely. Big shout out to Dan Roselli. Thanks for the invite. That's right. Who do we have here in front of us, brother? Man, I'm going to let them go ahead and say we've got Ryan and Landon. They're with Asa. Yep. All right. So, you know, hey, we told you we were going to kick it off with an elevator speech really quickly. Um, So, I mean, why don't we just kind of roll into that? I mean, um, so we've got a co-founder here, CEO, right? And uh, man, they're out here grounding and pounding and and trying to put the word out. So if if I come up to you in this conference setting and say, hey, man, I see you're you're a founder. What what is it? What is it that you do, Ryan? How would you answer that to somebody that's not in the fintech space? To someone that's not in the fintech space. So what I would say is that we allow you to use any fintech app, any budgeting app, investing app in conjunction with your favorite financial institution. So most financial institutions, they've got a crappy one size fits all app that everyone hates. So we allow (laughs) you to use your favorite app in a compliant, safe way where you're able to just have the tools you want to use to manage your funds on deposit at your institution. Okay. Okay. So so what I would take this, we, uh, one of our guests that we had on here was actually dealing with people that didn't have assets kind of credit repair type Mm. thing. You guys are more an asset aggregator. Would that be where you have assets and pull it together? Is is that right, Landon? How, How would you put it? Uh, you know, I, I'd probably say for the average person, we, I I got tired of my friends telling me, I wish my bank had a better app for budgeting. And I wish my app had a tool for investing. And I wish my app could help my bank could help me with this and that. And the bank presidents or, you know, whoever's running the bank says we have no choice. We can't get the tech that our customers want. There's great tech out there. It's already being built. It's on the market. It's just, you can't get it directly from your bank or credit union locally in an endorsed, secure, compliant way. And so we're empowering that. We're solving the problem of those technology solutions being available directly through your preferred financial institution. And so we're not providing those services themselves, but we're empowering the connection to them and making it possible for you to get all the stuff you want. So Landon, walk us through that. What does that connection point look like um, so that I can pull up all my info and feel safe and secure that no one else is looking at it with me. Yeah. I mean, right now, if you want to use a FinTech, you got to share your secret info. You got to give them your usernames, your passwords, your secret phrases and whatever else you got. Absolutely. It's everything that you probably shouldn't be sharing. It's not real secure to give that to third parties, but that's the only way to make FinTechs work. And we've all used stuff like Mm mint.com. We know it breaks. Uh, Connection goes down, you're logging in and you've got to fix it and you deal with those headaches. And so there's so much friction right now in using FinTech. Uh, We're eliminating that friction. We're making it cheaper, easier, safer to be able to use FinTech in an endorsed and compliant way. So you can get the newest and best tech directly from the bank or credit union that you love. And uh, it's just a different solution than what a normal bank app might provide. And right now you have to leave your bank's ecosystem to get that tech with ASA. You'll be able to get it in partnership with your favorite institution. So it's the best of both worlds. So I don't have to go to, to mint.com kind of fill it. Well, I mean, in some sense, right. But like um, if an account drops off, right. You guys have a way to kind of keep that plugged in. Well, the integration that we do isn't uh, a lot of people don't understand like Plaid or Finicity or Yodely or how aggregators work. But because you can't as a fintech go to a bank and get access to the data, 
the aggregators stepped up and they'll say, we'll get you the data. We'll go log in to your bank account as if we were you. A lot of people don't know what that that's what's happening. And so they're giving their username and password away, thinking they're logging into their bank, but they're not. The fintech is logging in and they're screen scraping and downloading all of the data. Uh, Some of the bigger banks have an API, but either way, they're pulling in all of the data. And now they have all this private information and data on you that you didn't mean to share. And that's the byproduct. But then when the bank increases their security or they change even one pixel on the login screen, the whole thing breaks, <laughs> goes down. Right. And that can happen all the time. It might take weeks to get back up or days. It just depends. And that's the hassle you have to go through. So we're not doing a backdoor login. We're partnering with the bank. We're going through the actual banking core software systems with a full permissioned integration that works together with the bank instead of just taking the data and doing right. whatever you want with it. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. That's so, pretty intense. Yeah. So, uh, sounds like a uh, layman's term for you are using the blockchain. Well, uh, a lot of what we've done is potentially, yeah. Around blockchain type technology. Okay. Uh, actually Ryan's uncle was one of the inventors of the self-sovereign identity. Uh, wow. One of our co-founders actually launched the first blockchain credential in the banking space. And yeah. so pretty cool tech there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, so we architected a lot of it, um, trying to empower that same type of ability of being able to prove things about a user without actually sharing sensitive data about them. So we can prove that you're a customer at a bank without telling you what bank or how much money you have or whatever you don't want to share. Well, you know, that's something that um, we've seen where um, everything's going digital. Don't fight that. Right. But um, it's also concerning when you log into your iPad and it says, Hey, this, this password has been in a big hack and you look at that list and it's every financial institution you have an account with. That's a little bit of a freaky moment for you. Um, how to, uh, how do you guys get to a point where you say uh, we're ahead of the bad guys? Uh, Ryan, um, with, with you being uh, a founder, what, what would you say? How do you, how do you keep my info secure when I look at my Apple list of Oops, you yep. need to change your password again. It's a great question. The, one of the best things you can do is minimizes the points of attack, right? So if you're going out there and you have four or five fintechs that you're excited about and using and you put your info out there, that's four points of attack. There, you know, All of those systems, if any of them get compromised, your data gets compromised. What's nice about our system is our system's never putting that information out across the wire. It's not putting it out into the wild. So if you decide that you like this cool budgeting app, right from within our system, you can turn it on. You can toggle that one on and say, I only want to share my checking account. I only want to share this data. And once that's toggled on, that fintech only has access to that data without you sharing any credentials out into the wild. So by doing that, you're not putting that information out there into multiple systems that can now get hacked. Hmm. Awesome. I, again, you're going to, you got way over my head already. <laughs> um, you know, my, my man over here might handle the, handle these questions a little bit better. Cause I was like, what's plaid? <laughs> uh, you know, and it was yeah. like, dude, we use it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I had to uh, school them real quick before this about plaid, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, so look, I mean, you're talking about a concept where you're not, you know, you don't, you're not born this way where all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm going to solve this problem. So, you know, going back to the, to the beginnings of Asa, right. And I mean, you have a really cool, uh, cool name. There's a cool little story behind it. I don't know if you want to touch on that a little bit to help explain things, but really when you, when you saw this as a problem, you know, how did it all begin? Are you a software engineer? Was it, did you go out and find that? What, what was the beginning stages really of this company? All right. Well, Asa Whitney. <laughs> that was a big piece of meat yeah. to fight off. No, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Asa Whitney was the original proponent of the transcontinental railroad. Okay. And so he believed that if he could connect the East and the West coast of America it would lead to unprecedented prosperity. And of course he was right. The industrial revolution all kinds of innovation happened because of those connection, those rails. Well, right now what we're talking about is the digital rails between financial institutions and fintechs. And really 
not just fintechs, but all technology companies that want to use some sort of bank data to make their applications work. And so we're kind of taking a play from the playbook of Asa Whitney, but instead of physical rails, we're talking about these digital rails of making those connections work. Yeah. And just to, you know, add to what Ryan's saying, um, this didn't happen overnight. I mean, if you look at the average person, what, I mean, how many people know what an aggregator is? Uh, do even 1% of the population know what a core processor is? Um, most people don't. Right. And so to be able to do this type of innovation, you got to put in your time. You got to, you know, I, this, I, I'm a fintech. Um, I had a fintech exit a few years ago. Ryan's also a, a fintech founder. Okay. We've been working at this a really long time. We've put in our time. We've learned the industry. Uh, we spent a lot of time making other people a lot of money too. And that's how <laughs> life is. You know, right, you can't yeah. just go out and do it instantly. You've right, got to, right. you've got to prove that well, if you can't make other people money, you probably can't make yourself money. And so if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to start stuff, you got to get out in the industry and you got to be working and you got to be adding value and you got to be able to solve problems and see things that no one else saw. And in the issues that Ryan had as a fintech founder, I think that's maybe interesting for you to share a little bit. Yeah. 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 So I, I started a company um, about five years ago called SpendPal. And uh, we did it in collaboration with Duke University's Behavioral Psychology Research Lab. And it was basically a company that helped people to manage their personal finances without having to stick to a budget. And there's all this science around opportunity cost consideration. So instead of showing you that you're out of clothing money, you can't buy the shoes and telling you no, we would show you that you're out of clothing money. If you buy the shoes, it's coming from your money you're saving for Hawaii. Right. Maybe they're okay with that. But then <laughs> once it starts getting to like your daughter's birthday money or your money for Christmas and these higher priority things, you will naturally be able to make a smarter spending decision. That's a neat idea. It was a home run. Yeah. It was an amazing app. And, and our problem was we had, we had customers that loved our application um, and we were using one of these aggregator services. But what happened is that the aggregation service kept going down. And so I would have at any given point, I'd have a good majority of my customers that their app wasn't working and they're paying eight bucks a month for this. And they're wanting to use it on a daily basis. I can't have those customers having their account go down for two weeks straight with me having no, no way to, to deal with it. Right. So I said, okay, well to hell with these aggregators, I'm going to go straight to the bank and get access to the good data I need. And I had several banks, community banks that are like, this is awesome. Our members are going to love it. Signed an agreement with me. And then we went in to try to integrate with their core processor and their core processor saw this as competitive with uh -huh. what they were trying to do. And so they killed it. And so mm -hmm. I couldn't get those integrations. So I was really struggling because I, and it was so frustrating because I had an app that customers wanted to use happy customers, but no way to get it to market. And so then that's when I met, um, well, I knew Landon from before, but I, I knew that he had just had an exit from a fintech himself and talked to him and he was facing some of the same issues with his fintech. Okay. And so we kind of teamed up at that point, but yeah, why don't you tell him a little bit about Bonsai and your journey and how you were kind of facing those same issues? Yeah. Yeah. Bonsai is a, a great company and some of you listening might've been through it. It is in about 50% of the high schools in America. It's like the Oregon trail of finance where your car breaks down and it gives you several options. And depending on the choices, you have different outcomes and consequences. So really fun, interactive game. Uh, in the game, the kids would get a bank account and a credit card and they would have a sponsor bank with their branding in it. And so it was an opportunity for the banks to be involved. And uh, we got it up to about a thousand bank and credit union customers. Oh. Um, and uh, it really successful program, but we had an adult version and they wanted to build the data into that and getting core integrations one by one for each institution was not scalable. It was not even possible. No. So much time, so much money and so much cost for something that, you know, seems simple, but uh, it, it just didn't work. And that's the whole reason that the aggregation model exists is because you go to your bank and try and get access to the data. And there's so many compliance and security and regulations and things blocking that. Uh, and so our, we set out to solve those problems and remove the friction. There's a lot of friction points we're trying to remove, but for your listeners, 
we're trying to make it cheaper, easier, and safer to use fintech. And we're trying to increase the access of innovation. A great example for that is if you compare BlackBerry and how you know some of you might be too young to have used a BlackBerry. <laughs> we're not talking about the fruit. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I, it was hard getting rid of my BlackBerry. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, it was it the was, QWERTY. It yeah. was the QWERTY. You know, yeah. that those hard buttons. I did. I yeah. did. But anyway, go ahead. I, yeah, it felt like the future. You could do email on your phone for those of you young Anywhere. enough. Anywhere when it know. first came out, yeah, it was, it was so it was like, cool. Oh man, excuse me, I'm important. I have to check my email. I had my little <laughs> belt hook and everything with a little <laughs> slide in, like a like a holster, like ready. Go, right? I don't give his analogy. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, so go fun. Yeah. No, we can go all day. We can go all day. But yeah, and then when Apple launched the App Store, I don't think Steve Jobs even knew the level of what he was doing. What with was that. getting ready to pop off? Yeah, and he you know, he made it so that the crowd and any innovator could build technology that could go to your phone and make your life better. And within twelve months, they had seventy five thousand apps. Uh, over a, a billion downloads and 12,000 developers, no company can own and control that much tech and, and apps for themselves. Yeah. And banking today is like BlackBerry. It's a closed experience where you have maybe one app and you have to use it. If you love it, great. If you don't, too bad. You know, you have no choice. And yes. so we're launching a model that's going to power an Apple-like experience for banking where the innovation that's going to come from this is going to change everyone's lives. You're going to have tech for starting businesses, tech for anything you can think of, new apps that we're not even imagining. And we're making that possible by removing the friction. Uh, It hasn't been possible to do this in the past because fintechs are competitive through open banking. They try and take the customer. They try and own the relationship. And we're building an infrastructure that protects that. And so the bank doesn't have to worry about risk and sharing sensitive data because no sensitive data is ever being put at risk. And so Mm. it's the safest, safest, most private way to connect to fintech that's ever been invented. That's true. It is for the bank. But also, on the other hand, even though the fintech's not getting all that data, really what the fintech, what the budgeting app or the investment app, what they want is they want a secure access to data so that their app will work. That's the number one thing they want. The, the other thing they want is just the ability to take this data that they're you know, generating on the user. And now we know that the user needs a, a home loan or they need a car loan, but the fintech can't do that. So we actually provide the quickest, easiest way for that fintech to say, I've got someone who needs a car loan. Let me push that back to the financial institution financial institution does the loan and the fintech's able to participate in some of the revenue for helping find that, that new customer. So the fintechs are getting exactly what they really want, which is clean, reliable data. And they're getting a clear way to help their customers find products they need and make a little referral money in the process. I got it. I got it. It's gotta be a very, uh, you gotta be going uphill with this sales and, and marketing just in that it's kind of like you're trying to tell BlackBerry that you need the app store and they don't really know what the app store is or what it can unleash. Is that, is that part of like the, the problem that you're selling the app store to BlackBerry and sometimes that's a little tough, right? Sometimes I, it's, you know, but I have things, worked for a bank, a large bank before in my life. And, and I, I see them as an old Blackberry a lot of the time. Yeah. Right? How, so, how long ago did you, did you leave the bank? I, I, we, you know, we're still, we're still there and not going to take, we're going to, that's going to rename, be named nameless, whatever. <laughs> we uh, plead the fifth. Yeah. Okay. But, but no, we're, we're, we're part of a big bank and, and we hear a lot of the same complaints, right? Mm-hmm. This, the, your, your app stinks. You know, why isn't it more like X, Y, Z or blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you could come to our bank and tell them you've got this awesome thing that'll help revolutionize your, your clients lives. Right. So it's gotta be kind of a tough sell for some of the larger institutions. Right. I mean, well, that's the interesting thing is I think it would have been maybe a few years ago because they saw, they saw fintechs are no big deal. They're not doing much, but now you look at fintechs, they're doing 38% of all personal loans more than all of the banks in the country combined. Wow, I had no idea. <laughs> People don't know that. No. And so, and you know, they're trying to partner with banks, but only 6% of fintech partnerships are panning out. Mm. Now, why, so, what, are you seeing a commonality as to why the, the failure rate is so high? 
Well, you know, the bank, it's, it's hard to find a fintech solution that's going to really be able to work at scale. The bank will try and buy one budgeting app or one solution or partner with one tech provider. And the bottom line is people want to choose what they want. You well, know? And they'll take the box and go on to the next bank project. And yep. there's just not enough budget or time to particularly care about it. So as you're building a platform, at what point do you say... You're not um, working with BlackBerry, if we're going to keep this analogy, uh, trying to get the app store with BlackBerry. When do you just say, hey, BlackBerry, you've missed your chance. Uh, we're going to replace you. So if it seems like there's a crossroads right now in the banking world. Uh, what do you guys see there? Well, you know, we thought that the big banks would be slow to get excited about this type of technology, but we just got back from a conference in Las Vegas and we were blown away. We had interest from three of the big five that were saying, Oh my gosh, we're trying to partner with fintechs, but it's not working. We're spending all this money. We're spending all this time. I think they're starting to realize we need to get more technology solutions. And they're also starting to realize that you can't find one budgeting app that all your customers are going to like. They all want different tech. And so we've been kind of blown away by the interest and acceptance we're getting um, but there are a lot of uh, maybe traditional banks or other people at the big banks that wouldn't be as receptive. Maybe we're just talking to the innovation people and they're like, yeah, this is amazing. And <laughs> then we'd go over to the actual, you know, other side of compliance and they'd be like, wait a second. And you hit the mud. <laughs> what are like, you doing oh, uh, here? And yeah. so I, it won't always be easy, but we've been blown away by the excitement. It's good response. Yeah. Uh, we right? interviewed over 150 CEOs before we started building this and they were, they loved what we were doing. Holy smokes. Well, so, uh, Ryan, do you see this as a um, um, maybe a byproduct of the COVID era that, um, uh, that there's a better opportunity or maybe a, a, a better listening ear for what you guys are doing? Has it spurred it along at all? Uh, maybe maybe a little bit, but the, the tide started changing, I would say, maybe a year before the pandemic. I think they started going to conferences and the executive leadership was hearing that that the fintechs are here, they're coming, and they're stealing your market share. And I think that 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 started to really open their ears to this types of things that we were talking about probably a year before the pandemic. It, it, the pandemic may have had an effect on that, but maybe not as much. I don't know. What do you think, Landon? You know, I think uh, you're right. Um, I mean, the pandemic probably played a role in that more people are looking for digital solutions and you need a wider selection. Um, but I think one of the key things we're doing here that's um, helped us to get the adoption is like Ryan said, sometimes the cores or the banks can see solutions as competitive. And right now, Plaid is already getting the data and selling it and they're already doing whatever they want and right. you have no control over that. And so I think that's when they started to wake up as these yeah. aggregators became more and more, um, I guess, a threat or powerful or, you know, they can they, they control a lot. And then when the fintechs break, the customers are complaining to the bank and blaming the bank, even though it's not right. their it does, the product has nothing to do with them. And so they don't understand why things are breaking or what the whole dynamic is of this whole fintech connection. And so to be honest, the whole thing is kind of a hack, you know, you're just logging in, taking data. It's a backdoor way of doing things. And so they're trying to solve that with APIs, but you're never going to have APIs to all of the banks and credit unions out there. It's not, you know, they, a lot of them don't have the budgets to build it. And so there's always going to be an issue we're setting out to solve that by going one by one to every bank, building the APIs, integrating with the cores. We don't compete in any way with the cores or the banks or the fintechs. We don't provide any of those services. We're just giving them ways to be more competitive. So hmm. we can build all of the banks, products and services into fintechs and all of the cores, products and services into the fintechs. And they can keep their app and they can use it as long as they want. And their customers that love the app can use it. But now they have a retention tool where you can get all of the tech you want directly from your bank. And you also have a tool that's going to appeal to the younger demographic. So for younger people that want cutting edge or bleeding edge technology, imagine if on your phone you got a notification that said, hey, there's four new apps that just came out on starting a business and they have ability to help connect you to funding or mentors or, hey, oh, wow. we have new apps for FAFSA and applying for things. Or, hey, there's some new cybersecurity apps to help with your security. And, you know, they can set up the notifications for what they want. 
And we can create that app store experience where, you know, it's never going to be like that with the current model, because if a bank tries to offer an app for, um, you know, agriculture that tracks the price of grain in real time and looks at the weather patterns to forecast the yield and predict uh, how a, a season's going to be for a farmer, um, that app is only going to benefit a small percentage of each bank's customer base. And so they're not sure. going to bother paying for it. But now with our scalability across all banks, removing those barriers, you can now have a platform effect where benefiting 1% of every bank is a very great business model. And anyone can go out and build that exciting new tech and bring it to market in a secure and compliant way. So all the innovators listening, this is a way to start making money and, and build a great business and help people make their yeah. lives better. You know what? One of my favorite examples of this is actually an app in Europe. And it's one where it's, it's the craziest app idea. So it's this app where every time you swipe your debit card, the cat meows at you in the app and you, you get these little tokens where you can feed the app. And it's kind of like one of those digital pets that you have. It's the craziest app. No bank would ever partner with this, right? Cat, right? But to the crazy cat ladies that love. Hey, cat ladies aren't crazy. Right? <laughs> Some of them are. Some of them are not. Right. That's 32% of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the app of all apps. There's nothing that's going to compete with that app for that small niche, right? right. So what this allows, what, what we're allowing is for you to pick a niche that you're passionate about and build the perfect user experience for that niche. And then those niches all add up to a full, you know, a customer base. Yeah. yeah full right. market. Yeah. So now that my, uh, my mind's finally getting around your business model and, and what you guys are trying to bring, I've got a lot of questions and I, I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time, but you know, we're, we're here at a venture capital conference, right? You're, you, you know, we've got investors, we've got people like you, right? I saw your beautiful pitch and, and those types of things. So you know, we, we hear how you got started, right? Where are you guys now in, in rounds of funding or, or those types of things? I mean, really, I guess, why are you here today in hopes of where is it going to take you going forward? Well, shout out to, you know, RevTech Labs and QC FinTech Venture Absolutely. 135. Um, we actually took on investment from them in our seed round. Oh, great. And so awesome. they're so great part of the incubator, partners. incubator project or we didn't. We okay. were just a, a, a different outside program that met their thesis and aligned incentives. And we help a lot of their companies to be able to go to market and have an easier way to make money and awesome. less friction to go, you know, partner with banks and credit unions. And so a lot of strategic value there. And so we see them as a strategic partner, uh, somebody we really enjoy working with. And so uh, they said, Hey, why don't you guys present at the event? And we said, all right, that sounds amazing. We'll come out. That is really cool. So how did you guys initially get plugged in with uh, QC FinTech and, and RevTech? Well, that's all Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. So my, um, company SpendPal that we talked about earlier yeah. went through, um, this, I think it was the sixth cohort. It was about four or five years ago. We went through that cohort with QC FinTech. And so I had stayed close with a lot of the mentors that I had. This, the program was absolutely incredible. Okay. So going through that and, and that's how I'd kind of gotten networked in and then got us connected to a lot of the FinTechs. And we ended up uh, three or four of the FinTechs from my graduating class are now working on our ACES platform and, and interacting with our platform in some way. And so I think RevTech, RevTech Labs saw it and thought, man, they're helping these fintechs. They can probably help more of our fintechs. And that's why they saw wanted to invest. I think it's got to be an incredible collaboration for you guys. Yeah. I mean, the doors that, that RevTech opens, mm -hmm. right. Is, is right in your bailiwick. Yep. So that's really cool. Really cool. So from here, where are you hoping to be in, in five years? Are you with like every major bank? Are you focusing more on local banks? You know, what, what's the ultimate vision five years from now? I mean, with the excitement we're getting around the product and our scalable, uh, you know, solution for growing through the core processors and getting the integrations, partnering with them, uh, in some cases, even looking at uh, RevShare uh, models where we can help you know, grow together, uh, we, we can easily scale, uh, you know, and have solutions across the whole country. And so uh, we're hoping to have every community covered. Um, the reason we started this in the beginning was about financial empowerment and making lives better. 
I've always been really great with money. I've been an amazing budgeter. <laughs> I, I make money. Are you saying that sincerely or sarcastically? I, I <laughs> no, no, sincerely. Okay, good. I've always been really, really good at it. I wasn't one of the kids. I would get money and I'd save it instead of spending that's, it. That's my son. That's my Not son. Not my daughter. Really, yeah. Not here. my daughter. Same here. Yeah. And, and so money works well for me and it's it's never been an issue for me. And, you know, not everybody is that same way. And so every person needs a different piece of technology to make their lives better. And right now they can't get custom personalized technology that they need. And so once we unlock the innovation and we have lots and lots of different apps that are going to meet each individual's needs, we're all going to have a better life. We're all going to be in control of our money. Um, with my last fintech, we were part of the Citibank Open Innovation Challenge, and we got to fly out and ring the opening bell on the New York Stock Exchange and meet awesome. the CEO, uh, Stephen Bird. And we got to deal with the NBA Players Association, lots of cool stuff, spent a lot of time in New York. Um, and the challenge of that event was to empower the individuals to take control of their finances. And there were seven fintechs there, amazing solutions, and none of us could get in with Citibank. And that's how many barriers there were. Even their favorite fintechs that are going through their program weren't able to get in. Holy smokes. And one of the fintechs that won the event um, sold their app this year to a, I think a bank, a bank or something like that. And so it just shows how hard it is to go to market. Even if you've got amazing solutions, their solution is so cool. And so to be able to really unlock the innovation and bring better tech to market, we need to remove those barriers and that friction so that, you know, Citibank can have any apps they want instantly. And so can every other bank. And so no matter who you're with, it levels the playing field. You know, you could have the favorite community institution that you love with the guy, you know, because who wants to join and go all in on a digital bank or a fintech bank and then have no ATM access and no customer support, no people to know or meet in town. Like, what do you do when you need help or advice? Right. Right. And so we want to combine the best of the community institutions that have the local presence and ATM networks and all the great things about that with unlimited tech. So I can have an app that I love. My wife can have a different app and my kids can have a different app all in the same account and we can change apps whenever we want. We don't have to switch banks to get a different app. Uh, And that's what we're trying to build. Awesome. Awesome. Kind of changing things around. I mean, it's a, it's a different, totally different model. Sometimes change is a messy process, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys are getting down and dirty. Um, Are you ready to get down and dirty for one more round? We've got, uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. So ladies and gentlemen, you've, you've, you've heard Ryan and Landon there. They've certainly got it down as far as their vision, what they're looking for. We're going to test how well you guys fly by the seat of your pants. Uh So sometimes (laughs) the fishbowl is great and ask some great questions. Other times it's a little rough around the edges, but with that said, are you guys ready for a little, um, a little kind of pull it out of your hat and see, see what you guys do? Yeah, I was worried. I thought you were going to kick off like the mud wrestling round or something. I didn't know what was next. That's a little bit later. Ready. You know, the, the mud wrestlers are getting ready over there. So we got the pools He's after the cocktail party. Right. He may be great with money, but is he great with the fishbowl? Right. Well, you should see me in a little thong oh, for, my, for my mud wrestling. I, I am a great mud wrestler. Just, I'm so sad. Right I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to mud wrestle. You got to be what six five i would yes yes, yes, five, five. yes absolutely <laughs> all of it uh, those are three inch heels there we go yeah. <laughs> all right so um we'll, we'll start out with you ryan everyone has um, a mentor uh companions that are right in the trenches with them and then protégés uh what are your some of your most memorable uh mentors and companions and and people coming right behind you Huh. Well, you know, I would have to say mentors uh, would probably be, and it's going to sound cliche, but it's, it's my father and my grandfather. So my grandfather awesome. was, he was a pretty big figure in the financial space in the seventies. He wrote a New York times bestselling book and he was able to segue that into a newsletter that he published every three weeks. And at its height, he had um, about 2 million subscribers oh, wow. paying 70 bucks a year. That's a great business. <laughs> it's a great business. <laughs> Cash cow. Yes. And he rode that until he died. I would, it, you know, in, in his eighties and just every three weeks he had to write a newsletter. But so, you know, he was in personal finance. My father went into personal finance and so, you know, they were, they really shaped me. And so I, I would say those are people that I've looked up to. Um, for coworkers, like, honestly, I'm going to have to say Landon, Landon, uh, 
he actually, when I first met him, he was running the sales floor from my father's company Okay, and he was killing it there. And then he went to Bonsai, um, had a great exit there and you know, he's, he was being humble, but he brought Bonsai from 40 companies to, or, or 40, uh, bank partners to over 900, a thousand bank partners in, in wow. two to three years, something like that. So that is crazy growth. You know, yeah. he, he says, you know, the growth that he envisions for Asa, he he's done that kind of growth before and he, he can do it with Asa. So that's what I'd say for, um, you know, coworkers that I look up to and also for my, my mentors. That is really cool. Thanks, Ryan. You know, <laughs> it's okay if you high five or hug. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to ask for you, but you can't say him now. We, uh-huh. we can't let you it's guys. Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> and everything I do, it's Ryan. You know, but uh, no, I mean, do you have any, any protégés, anything like that? And any mentors that you'd really like to, you know, mention, talk about to anybody that was important in your life that way? Uh, you know, uh, from a young age, you know, I always looked up to my older brother. He was, uh, you know, senior class president, MVP of the football and the baseball team and, you know, just really popular. And I was a freshman when he was a senior. Okay. A lot of his friends kind of took me under their wings when I was in that awkward phase in between, yes. <laughs> you know, getting older and whatnot. And, you know, he helped me set up my first bank account, my first credit card and start building credit. Uh, he helped me pick my career in finance and my degree and register for classes and just do all that stuff at a young age. And uh, it kind of solidified me down a path that I already liked. And I was really good with numbers and I enjoyed, you know, I was a, I was a door to door knocker and I liked knocking doors. I'd stay out all night, you know, selling school fundraiser stuff and winning all the events and everything like that. And uh, he helped put me on that path towards success from a young age and makes a big difference when you have somebody helping you do that. It sounds like he's a lot older than you. I mean, he must have three years. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds like guidance that from somebody that's, you know, 10 years ahead of you. So, yeah. you know, shout out to your brother. What's his name? Jaron Glenn. Jaron. Good job. Good job. Hats well, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Now, um, the neat thing about FinTech and technology is that you guys can run this company and, and, but basically not be located in the same area, right? You guys aren't necessarily in the same office, right? So just, if you don't mind, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but where are yeah. you located and where are you located? There's a question that's coming here. Yeah. I promise. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm in a small rural town about two hours North of Lincoln, Nebraska. It's called Stanton, Nebraska. <laughs> there's like a thousand 500 people in my town. Yeah. I think there's only Lincoln, Nebraska. It's like, <laughs> that's it. You know, it, like if, if somebody said you get to go to Nebraska, I'd be like, well, I guess I'm going to go see the Cornhuskers. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So yeah. you're two hours away from Lincoln. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So you just throw a rock into the middle of a cornfield and that's about where we're at. Okay. So awesome. Okay. So <laughs> North of Lincoln, I, okay. you know, and then you Provo, Utah, Provo, Utah. Provo. Okay. Awesome. Okay. We know, I know where that is. I think there's a university there, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Okay. Um, He'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. Uh, Utah State, is that what, what, what's in Provo? They've got a BYU and then right up the street, they've got UVU. UVU. Okay. I guess it's Utah Valley State University. Or wait. It's UVU. Oh, UVU. Okay. 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 Anyway, neither here nor there, but uh, all that said, right? So the question is, what is the best thing about the city that you're located in? So if I was to go there, right? Like, Hey, Ryan, go visit Nebraska, but you can't go to Lincoln right? <laughs> and, and I've got to go here. What's, what's the best thing? What do you really enjoy about it? That's easy. Okay. It's the, the schools and, and, and the education. I mean, my kids, what, what's neat about a small town like that, and especially in, in, uh, you know, a, a really small town like that, they have, you know, my kids, they're every sport, they're just looking for bodies. So they get to try everything. And instead of having to like specialize at age three and like pick their path, <laughs> right? Yeah, they get to try everything and, and figure out what they're actually good at. And so I really like that, that they get to try everything and the class sizes are small. I think there's like 12 to 15 kids. Oh, wow. So they get good yeah, attention. That's awesome. So that's, that's easy. Awesome. That's, that's what's it's best the about our, yep. All right. All right. So you have any basket weavers? You got any of those? 
Yeah. No basket weavers. Okay, good. No, but I mean, I tell you what, coming in Charlotte, right? Um, I've got some kids in sports, right? And they mm-hmm. specialize them early. I'm, yeah. I'm actually a little frustrated with my daughter's softball. She only plays first base. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, let her, let Give her, her a chance. Yeah, yeah, let her try something else, yeah. you know? But, um, and then how about you in Provo? Yeah. If I'm there visiting in Provo, what are you going to tell me to do? Oh man. I mean, Utah, you can't stay away from the mountains. They're right up in your backyard. Uh, you know, we're 15, 20 minutes from our house to Sundance ski resort. And then, awesome. you know, what, 45, yeah. 50 minutes to park city and just amazing opportunities for hiking, skiing, outdoors, you know, lakes, rivers, everything. All I think of with Utah is champagne powder snow. I mean, I've never been, is it really that, that nice as a Oh, skier? it's amazing. It's- yeah. All the way through, you know, getting, if you get a season pass and you're up there and you can just go any snow day, it's, there's nothing better. Right. Now you guys cross country ski, right? It, it, a little bit. Yeah. But it's, it's not like I've, there's not like mountains, right? No, I've lived in, <laughs> not, not in Nebraska. I've lived in Utah before. And once you experience that champagne powder you're talking about, there's, there's, you, you can't do it in Nebraska. It's right. just, you, there's, you got to pheasant hunt or do other things. Yeah. They're, they're good at because yeah, even like there's a lot of people don't know this, but when they get a lot of that champagne powder, they even have um, snorkels because it's just, you're going so deep in there. No way. Yeah. There's, they'll ski with snorkels to actually breathe sometimes. Holy I've seen that cow. before. <laughs> That's another level. That's, yeah. that's, that's definitely not the ice of the mountains here in, in North nope. Carolina. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was about to say that is not North Carolina ready. I'm not getting no. swallowed no. up. No, no for sure. But, uh, you got another one? I think you yeah. do. Okay. So, uh, Landon, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, you, you flew a plane to get here, but do you have a favorite car? Uh, if it's like a, a classic car or something you're driving now, do you have a favorite? Uh, well, you know, I drive an F one hundred and fifty, so that's my favorite, you know, it does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Put the kids in the back, uh, goes over hills, <laughs> does all it the does things everything. my car can do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. How, how about you, Ryan? Um, yeah, mine's kind of out there. So, um, I work from home, you know, we, we do the remote thing, but I can't actually work from home because my kids only understand that I'm home and I'm not jumping on the tramp. I'm not doing. <laughs> and so I, I just, I did not want to pay for an office. And so I actually got a camper van that awesome. I actually have kind of, I'm in the process of converting the back of it into a little studio office. So very cool. if you see it, you, it looks like I'm in an office, but I'm really in my garage or in my driveway and it also is kind of doubling as a kind of a camper van. So in the summers, I'm going to take the kids out and that's, that's really what I like to get out in the mountains and stuff. All right. It I'm looks at, really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. We've talked about doing something like that. We have, he's done it. We're going to have to take a look once this is all done see what, yeah. you, what you put together. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I kind of like asking this question quite a bit because now you guys have, this is your you know, you guys are serial entrepreneurs, right? This is not your first go around. I don't know if you want to take it as your, your best day at, uh, at ASA or, uh, maybe, um, but just as an entrepreneur, you know, Ryan, what would you say your best day as an entrepreneur has been so far? For me, it was probably the day that I got accepted into Dr. Dan Ariely's program at Duke. Okay. Um, so you know, the spend pal has really been a passion project of mine and it still is um, because, you know, we are empowering people to take control of their finances in a way that they've never been able to do before because budgeting feels so restricted. And I was a big fan of Dr. Dan Ariely. I don't, you know, he's, he's a, a, a best-selling author. His Ted talks have millions of views. And so right. I was a big fan of his And so the fact that I was able to get to work with his team of behavioral scientists and spend the better part of a year kind of combing through the research to find the very best money management platform and how we could make that happen. It was just a dream come true. So that day that I got into to Duke's lab there, that was incredible. Very. And is that there on the university campus? And yeah, uh, yes. a very nice. Yeah, I got to. Well, I it's mean, a gorgeous it, campus. Yeah. So we were in the they it was called the American Tobacco Campus. It was just right off campus, but it was mm-hmm. kind of like a little park there. It was it was beautiful. And just working with their team of behavioral scientists was just it was a dream come true. It was awesome. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And how about you, my man? Yeah. You know, I, I've kind of tempered my mindset to, you know, always be even keeled and to, you know, constantly be pushing and, and going at a steady pace. And so, you know, with this, with, with Asa, this is my first go around it being CEO and having an opportunity to work with amazing people and being able to trust them with things that in the past I might've wanted to do myself or tried to control. And, um, I'd say every week at our team meetings, getting together with the guys and the the whole group of people and soon to be, you know, we're going to hopefully soon add some, increase the team and add some girls to the team as the ladies <laughs> to the team as well. But, um, you know, just being there and seeing the hard work that everybody's putting in and that everybody's making stuff happen on their own and doing their jobs and executing and, you know, being able to stay humble and listen and learn to the team and take in everybody's ideas and everybody's thoughts and, you know, understand you have to make the best decision for the company every week. It's just kind of a, a blessing and it's exciting to see everybody sacrificing and working together to, to make something happen and to bring together a vision and so every time we add another team member and they catch the vision and they want to join, uh, we're working to add another great employee who was running the engagement group at Santander Bank. And, uh, you know, they had about 2000 employees and spent about a billion dollars trying to build a fintech connection system. And uh, when that person saw what we were doing, they said, this is amazing. Oh, man, I this would solve all of our problems. And so we're working to get more people on the team. And so that's, that's the fun part about having a great vision is, you know, every day you get to add more people that catch that vision and work together with you. And I think for each of those people that we're adding, um, it's another opportunity to create more opportunity for them. And so that's how I see business is an opportunity to create opportunity. And you need to be able to find ways where other people can succeed and other people can grow and have you know, great success without, um, you know, trying to, uh, I think in business, a lot of people think, Oh, once you own a business, you're going to have, it's just going to be amazing, but you can't bring people in until there's a place for the job for them to do. And there's work to add value. And so you have to create a model that has that potential and it's going to make lives better. So starting with that mission, you know, that's exciting and then adding people and building on it every day. I think that's where, you know, things really get exciting in business. That was a great CEO answer. I'll come work for you, man. I, I'd sign up. Welcome to the team. There we go. There we go. We're good. looking for good Sounds mud like wrestlers. <laughs> you found your man. Yes. If you find a, or found a, a mud wrestling department, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. It's a deal breaker. Huh? Yeah. 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 Do you guys have time for one more? Do you want one more? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously both of you guys work really hard. I, I, I kind of took that. I don't even know if it was my turn, but, um, when you guys aren't um, traveling to VC conferences and working hard on on the baby, uh, we'll start with you, Ryan. How do you unwind? What What's your favorite thing to do just to kick the feet up? Um, so I, I've got five kids. So <laughs> there is no one. Five. Wow. What are their ages? Just out of curiosity. So my oldest is just graduating high school. Okay. So, and then we've got a little bit of a gap. We've got an, uh, an nine-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl, and then uh, we've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So, wow. Yeah. You have the spectrum. Yes. We got a basketball team. <laughs> you do. Right. You so, right. yeah. I mean, when I'm not doing that, I just, I love just spending any time with them, watching them grow. I mean, they're, they're so young right now that like, it, it's just going to fly by. So I just spend every time I have free time I have with them. Awesome. Awesome. So when you live in the middle of nowhere, essentially, right. A small little town, right. Mm -hmm. There's not much to do than to have kids. I guess. Right? <laughs> I mean, is, that, is that the byproduct of a small town? It's like, Oh, well, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. We, well, we, we find some fun yeah, things. We yeah. find some no, fun things. No, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I mean, having kids is fun. Right? Yeah. Part there you of the go. process. But um, how about you, Landon? Uh, you know, if you want to feel that as well. Yeah. You know, I think um, when I'm not, you know, working and building the business, which is, you know, 
for people that are entrepreneurs, they know how exciting it is and how addictive it can be and how much right. time you put into it. That's right. Uh, my wife's given me a hard time saying, you got to spend more time with the kids and the family. And I'm like, don't worry, it'll be, I'll be home soon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not traveling a lot. I also have uh, four kids. Not Ryan's one up me there. There you go. But uh, yeah, we're get, we got a uh, ski passes um, to Sundance this year for, uh, you know, the kids have a ski day on Mondays where we can go up skiing oh, together. So yeah, I'd love to get out in the mountains. I love to ski. Uh, we actually had a cabin up in Weber Canyon, but we sold it this year when we, uh, were when we raised the seed round for the business, we, uh, got rid of it to make more time to work, <laughs> which is what you probably wanted to hear, but yeah, it was no. just kind of focusing priorities. There was 3000 square feet of deck on that thing. And it was a lot of work to keep it up to date. Yeah. Um, but the guy that owns the property up there, uh, they actually filmed, some of uh, Yellowstone, the TV series up where Very our cool. cabin is. So Very cool. really cool. If you guys have seen the show, yeah. uh, which season four is going right now, but Rip's cabin was right on the right when we were driving in. And so uh, one mean. of our seed investors is actually the guy that owns that hundred and whatever thousand acres of land up there. He said, Oh, why are you selling the cabin? I said, Oh, we're raising some money. And so <laughs> he had a fund and ended up jumping in on the round. So we got a lot of great investors and whatnot. That's but very cool. I can get out in the mountains, do some hiking, do some skiing or anything just, you know, let me get out there and uh, running. I like to run a lot too. Absolutely. Oh, very cool. He had me till he said he likes running. Yeah. It was like, oh, Hiking, oh, oh. being outside. It's like running. Ooh. It's a lot of endorphins. It's just, I don't know what it is. You know, my, my body's hurt. Yeah, my, yeah. Yeah. my body yeah, my doesn't like hurt. it, but my brain likes it. Yeah, absolutely. Keep doing it, my man. Whoa. Well, awesome. Well, we told you we'd keep you for about 30, 45 minutes. We took you to the edge of that. Right. So I, I do appreciate your time and patience with us and, and some of our questions. Now that said, I mean, right. We're, we've got people that might want to reach out to you other fintechs, other kids hoping to get into fintech, what have you. So if you don't mind closing us off, just let us know the easiest way to get in touch with you. Um, and, and kind of, if there's any other closing remarks you guys want to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can, anyone who wants to get in touch with us about ASA, you can just go to ASA.financial. That's ASA. it. It's just ASA.financial. And, uh, you know, I am, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And Ryan is as well. Yep. We connect with people on there all the time. So it's just Landon Glenn, L-A-N-D-O-N-G-L-E-N-N. -N. Search for me, Asa, connect and happy to chat. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for being available to folks. That, that means yeah. a lot. And thank you for the time here today. It's yeah. Great any, to meet you guys. Any questions people have in starting businesses or even getting your feet wet in the fintech space? Uh, we're, you know, we were looking for new entrepreneurs and people that are excited and want to get involved. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity as we talk to banks and find out the tech they need. So if you can solve problems and you're looking to get your feet wet, uh, reach out and we'd love to chat. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm already thinking about Beautiful. a couple of kids. I know that that would, they're, they're super smart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not like me. Smarter than us. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, thank you so much for the time, you guys. Good luck with everything. I mean, you're, you're, you're right in the right spot. You're, you're there breaking down walls. So keep it going. Keep working hard. And, and again, we thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's awesome. Yeah. Lots of fun. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to USA Booming. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to check out the archives for other great conversations. Got questions? Email us at Sam or Ryan at USABooming.com or DM us on Instagram at USA underscore booming. That's it for now. We'll be back soon with another great talk with an entrepreneur you won't want to miss. Yeah.